Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. The message is titled, It's Okay to Be You. And if I subtitled, I was thinking I would call it, I'm Batman. So you know where this is going. There will be a video about Batman at some point. But I, I think one of the things about our lives is that the devil sells us a lie that we need to be someone other than who we are. That God, the truth is that God created us all uniquely with a purpose in mind, with personality. And God needs us to be ourselves. Not a clone of someone else, but to be Uh, So I'd like to read to you this morning from Gideon, sorry, from Judges, about Gideon. And it's chapter 6, and it starts at verse 11. It says, now, to give you a little bit of background, what's happening is that the the, the country of Israel is under a massive level of oppression, and and this guy called Gideon is hiding in a wine press, and and, like the whole country is is just in turmoil. And in his heart, it's like there's this cry out to God, where are you? And this is what it says. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizirite. There his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I want to stop there. Often, God's given each and every one of us a call in our life. He's created us to do something. Whether it's a school teacher, whether it's a politician, whether it's the best mum and dad in the world, whether it's a worker in an employment shop, whether it's, a, whether it's the principal of a school, whether it's a business person, whatever it is, a doctor, a nurse, God's created us to do something amazing with our lives, but often because of our self-identity, we find ourselves hiding and not being what God has created us to be. And our life feels unfulfilled. We know we should be one thing. We know that we were created to be one thing, but we find ourselves doing something else. I remember at one point in my life, I was a school chaplain, and school chaplains don't get paid very much, especially when you're like me, and you're on three days a week. And Renee at the time was a daycare uh, worker, and she didn't get paid very much either. And all my friends around this time, was about the age of 30, all my friends started buying homes, and, and I'm sitting there going, God, I'm a, I'm a school chaplain. All my mates are buying houses. I don't think I want to be a school chaplain or a pastor anymore. I'm going to go and become a police officer. So I started doing everything. I started going to the gym to get fit. I started running. I started practicing the beep test at the high school. Got nowhere near what you needed to get to, to be able to get in the police force. I think I needed to get eight, five. I was pulling out at about six. Um, so if you don't know what the beep test is, it's like this thing beeps. You've got to, 20 meters. You've got to get from one beep to the next beep with, within the time frame. So you run in the 20 meters, it goes beep, and then you run. You've got to get to the next marker before it beeps again, and then you turn around, and it just speeds up and speeds up, and I had no chance. I was pretty unfit. But I was trying everything I could. But on the inside, I kept feeling worse and worse on the inside. 
Until one day I said to God, you know what, God, I know I'm called to do a pastor and a chaplain, so I'm going to do that. And instantly I felt better because I was doing what I was created to be. I love it when I read this. Gideon is created to be a rescuer. God placed him on the planet to rescue people, and he comes down, and he he comes down, he says, hey, I'm going to call you to be a rescuer, but this is his response a little bit further down. Let me read it to you. He says this. He says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring you bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength that you go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I this is the bit, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. He had a poor picture of himself. He had a very poor picture of his identity. I'm the least of the least. How many of us carry a poor picture of ourselves? I'm an idiot. I'm a failure. I'm a fool. Maybe there's been labels put on you. I'm abused. I'm rejected. I'm abandoned. And we live with those labels So when God steps into our world and says, hey, I've created you to do something amazing, our first response in our heart is, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I'm abused, I'm rejected, I'm abandoned, I'm nothing, I've got no purpose. And I love God's very first response when he first turns up before Gideon has ever said anything to him, before God has said anything to Gideon, his first words to Gideon were words of identity. He says, mighty warrior. Before he's told him how useless he is and he can't do anything, God says, I see you as a mighty warrior. And God sees you and I so much differently than the way we see ourselves. He sees us the way he created us. He sees the, who we're going to be And he also sees us like Jesus, because the Bible says that when Jesus came and died on the cross, what we deserved, Jesus became, and what he deserved, we became. So he sees us through the eyes of Jesus. What an amazing identity that is. It would change the way we live our lives if we saw ourselves the way Jesus did. Identity is so important. See, one of the things that Satan did when he met up with Jesus, you know the story, Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, and the Bible says that the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, or it says drove him into the wilderness. So Jesus went out into the wilderness, and one of the things that happened was, Satan turned up at the end of 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, no food, no water. Bible says he was hungry. Well, wouldn't we all be? He turns up, and Satan says to him, he says, if you are the Son of God, Turn those stones into bread. And Jesus rebukes him with the word of God. And so then Satan says another time, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from the temple and the angels will come and catch you. See, I think it's crazy that Satan comes and attacks the identity of Jesus. 
even though Jesus is God. Uh, and it made me think, you know, if you've been a Christian for 40 years, we can still have problems with our identity, who we are in God. Maybe we've been 50 years. Because Jesus had been God for 30, yet he, Satan still tried to attack him on identity. Jesus had been God for millennia, yet he still tried to attack his identity. And I think that's what happens in our life. It's not just a one-off thing, but it's our entire life. Satan tries to come in and attack our identity. Because when you read the story, after Satan left, it says that he waited for another opportune time. So in our life, we have to work on identity. I want to show you a quick movie from Batman. And uh, it's a really cool video. Now, what's happened in this moment is this is when Batman first becomes Batman and comes on the scene, and this is when he introduces himself to the bad people of Gotham. The guy at the end in the car, he's like the ringleader of all the bad guys in Gotham City. So check it out. If we could get the lights off too, please, that would be cool. Thank you. Now, why, why did I show you that video? Because he calls himself Batman, but more than that, I showed you that so that it would trigger a memory in us from church that we have to, in our life, over and over again, declare who we are in God. Like he says, I'm Batman, and he, he put fear into the hearts of all the crooks in his world. We need to declare, because the enemy is always coming into our life, telling us we're hopeless, we're useless, there's nothing worthy. We have to get up, and we have to declare who we are in God often in our life. And so this morning, what I did, I, put, I got some Bible verses together that I use in my life when I don't feel like I am who God's created me to be. And I speak them out until I start to feel and start to believe I am who God says I am. So if you brought your phone or a piece of paper and a pen today, why don't you write these down? Because these Bible verses might help you. All right, here they are. The first one is this. Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. I love that thought. When Renee and I had Hezekiah, we wanted him so much. We had waited seven years. It was one of the greatest passions of our heart. We want a son. And then when we had Hezekiah and he was born, I felt no greater pleasure and probably Renee neither when we first saw our son and the pleasure we have now was such a great pleasure in our lives. And many mums and dads could tell you the same thing when their kids were born. It's the same pleasure, but even more that God felt when you were created. When you came into existence, God was so happy. In fact, he was excited before you were born. When he formed in your mum's womb, he was so excited. He said, oh, they're going to look like this. They're going to have these gifts. They're going to have these talents. I can't wait to meet them. Like it says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. It's a great picture of how much God thought about us before he created us. In another part, it says when, when Jesus was baptized, as he came up, God's voice came out of heaven and said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You'll find that Bible verse in Matthew 3.17, and it's really cool because it shows a picture of Jesus hasn't actually done anything yet. He hasn't healed a person. He hasn't set a person free. He hasn't cast out a demon. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't multiplied fish and bread, yet God's first declaration over his life is, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. It's our position in God. This is my son. This is my daughter. I love you so much, and with you, I'm well pleased. You might not have to do anything. I still love you, and I'm well pleased with you. No matter what you do, I'm pleased with you. 
What a great thought. What a great place to be. The other one is this. The next, next thing is this. Because God says that we're conquerors, overcomers, or winners. Romans 8.37 says this. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You're a winner right now. You don't, have to, you don't have to achieve anything or do anything. God declares you're a winner. He says you're an overcomer. You're like King David when he took down Goliath. You're like Gideon when he led 300 men against an entire army. You're like Abraham when he took out the 318 trained men from his camp and went out and fought an entire army and brought back the lot. You're an overcomer. You're a winner now. God's play, because Jesus lives inside of you. And Jesus has never lost So how can we lose in life? The next thing is this. You're blessed. Deuteronomy 28, 3 to 6 says this. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed in the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. How cool is that? We live in a place of blessing in our life. The next one is we're fruitful. Jeremiah 17, 7, 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. We are fruitful because we belong to God. You can, be, you can have assurance that my life can be successful and will be successful because Jesus is in it. We are holy and without blame, Ephesians 1.4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. Some, so often we keep put our heads down and we carry ourselves with shame and guilt because we think we have a life full of sin and if you knew all the stuff that I did and how I stuff up during the week. But Jesus declares over our life that you're holy and without blame. That would change the way we carry ourselves around. You know what? God doesn't see the sin of my life because Jesus died on the cross. It's time to carry our head up high. We have authority in Jesus' name. Matthew 18, 18. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We're secure. Psalm 18, 3 says, I sing to God the praise lofty, and I find myself safe and saved. Sometimes when we feel anxious, we can go to a Bible verse like that and say, Father, I thank you that we're safe and saved. I thank you, God, I'm safe in you. And the last one is this. You're a leader. Psalm 18, 43, 45 says, you rescued me from a squabbling people. This is King David speaking. You made me a leader of nations. People I'd never heard of served me. The moment they got wind of me, they listened. The foreign devils gave up. They came on their bellies, crawling from the hideouts. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you a prophet to the nations.
What cool Bible verses and promises about who we are in God? And there's so many more. That's just a, you could look through the Bible yourself, you could find so many more about who God says you are. But I think that's a good place to start in our life. That if you start to write those Bible verses down, even if you copy paste from your Bible app and you read them first thing in the morning and start to pray them out and declare them, Father, I thank you that's that who you say I am. It'd change who you are. It'd change how we carry ourselves. It'd change how we interact with other people. Because God, you say that that's who I am. Bible says, as a man thinks in his mind, so he is. Let's start to change the way we think. Another Bible verse says, Let, allow God to change you into a new person by changing the way you think. So when we reprogram our mind and the way we think, it turns us into a different person. It turns us into who God says we are, not who our past says we are. I used to not be happy with who I was. I remember... When I was in high school, I was often looking in the mirror and going, man, why can't I have cool hair like my friends? Now I'm going, why can't I have hair? It's not long. We look in the mirror, oh, how big is my nose? Man, my ears are big. The kids at school used to tell me I had a massive head. I think I've grown into it by now. But they used to tell me at school I had a huge head. And, And then I'd get, you know, and so I didn't like who I was. But as I've grown older and and spent more time with God, I've become more happy about who I am and the things that I like. I love certain things. I love sport. If you come over my place to spend time with me, I can't help it. Hey, let me show you this thing about Michael Jordan. It's called The Shot. I'll chuck it on. And then while I'm watching, I go, you know, this person probably doesn't even like this. I should be watching stuff he likes. You know, so if you come over my place, I'll tell you about who's better, Jonathan Thurston or Andrew Johns. It's clearly Thurston. Boo! And, uh, <laughs> but I love sport. I watch it. I love cricket. I'll argue with people about who's better, Bradman or, or Sachin Tendorka. That's no contest. I love sport. I love politics. I was just at a, I went to, with Collinsville State High School to a swimming thing this week. And we got to go swimming. What an awesome job I have. I get paid to go swimming and play on, on stuff. And, and, and I was talking to the teachers, and I said, and there was a kid there who had a name after a, a, a certain politician, Gough Whitlam. He was named after Gough Whitlam. And I said, I said, he, how cool was that speech? They may well say, God save the Queen, but nobody will save the Governor General. These two ladies looked at me as if I had two heads. We have no idea what you're talking about. I said, what you don't know about that, the constitutional crisis, curse, curse, you don't know about it. I had no idea, and I, I just thought, in the past, I would have gone, you know, maybe I'm a nerd, which I, I probably am, but, but instead I went, you know what, that's who I am. Now, I have to probably, if I want to be a, a greater witness, or I want to be more like Jesus, I need to be thinking about what they like, and not just tell them about everything I like, but it's okay to be me. That's who I am. I, I love sport. I, I love politics. I'll, I'll read the Constitution sometimes when I'm bored. Wow. So I know things like New Zealand is in the Constitution so that it can be a state of Australia later on if it so chose to be. They, they put it in there. Most people don't know that, but I've read that. How boring is that for you? But I liked that. I read about politics and I, 
I care who, who wins politics. I also made another statement that the thing when they didn't know much about politics, I made the st- statement, you guys should not be allowed to vote. I went, why did I say that? I thought that was a mistake. So I quickly changed it to make it a little bit softer than I love politics. And I love leadership. I love movies. I, I like certain nerdy TV shows. It's okay to be you. What do you like? What do you find enjoyment in? What are things that make you come alive? Do those things and enjoy them. I, I remember when I was a chaplain, I'd be standing around in a circle talking to kids, and one of the kids would go, oh, I watched this movie on the weekend. It was so awesome. And then the, popular, the most popular kid would go, yeah, I don't like that movie. And that other kid would go, yeah, no, nah, it's not so good. And I'd stand there and go, man, come on, have some guts. Stand up for yourself. Just say it's a great movie. It's an awesome movie. And I felt bad, man, dude, come on, have some. It's okay to be you. It's okay to love the things you, because God created you uniquely with all the things you like, with all the gifts and the talents that you've got, so that you can be someone different. God didn't create you to mix in with everybody else. God created you to stand out. Because how can you influence people? How can you change your world if you don't stand out? If we spend all our energy like trying to be like everybody else, we can't make a difference. Be you. Be who God's created you to be. Nobody else. I was having a quick look through the richest men in the world. And, and this is the top five, okay? The top five richest people in the world is, are these people. Jeff Bezos has got $106.8 billion. He's a creator of Amazon. Bill Gates has got $106.7 billion. He's got Microsoft. Only 0.1 difference, hey? What's one point? What's that? Is that, is that a million or is that a hundred million? A hundred million. What's a hundred million between friends? You got Bernard... Oh, no, family, it's got 105.7. I was reading that the people of LVMH, he's about to jump all of them uh, to be number one. Then you've got Warren Buffett on 85 billion. He's an investor. And then you've got Mark Zuckerberg, who created Facebook. He's got 72.9 billion. Now, they, when you read that, they say that's what they're worth. So that guy's worth $106.8 billion. But that's a lie. We're not worth how much money we've got in the bank. We're not, because that'd be sad for, for many of us. There might be a millionaire or two in here, I'm not sure. But, you know, if, when you go to the bank, imagine going to the bank and you look at the bank and, oh, $200,000, I'm worth $200,000, that's cool. Or you go and you save 7000 you look at that, okay, I'm worth 7000 But maybe you're like I was when I was single before I got married, you go to the bank and usually it had 38 cents in the bank. So I'm worth 38 cents. That's not true. You're worth is that the creator of the universe, who had never sinned, who created everything with his words, who healed the sick, walked on water, the king of the universe, loved you so much that he chose to come to earth, die an excruciating death on the cross, whipped, crown of thorns placed on his head. The Bible says he was beaten to a pulp so that you couldn't even recognize who he was. That is your worth. That is my worth. Our worth is in our bank account. It's not how many friends we've got on Facebook. It's the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross for you and for me. That is our worth. That is who we are. That is who we are to God. God loved you so much. That's his plan for your life. 
is to do amazing things because he loves you so, so much. I've got some quick pictures I wanted to show you of some art. If I could, we're just going to look at them very quickly. That one there, that's, who knows what that is? Last Supper, who knows who painted that? Leonardo da Vinci. I almost said DiCaprio. No, da Vinci. The next one, the Mona Lisa. Who painted the Mona Lisa? Leonardo da Vinci. I'm pretty sure for you art lovers out there. Next one, that's the Sistine Chapel painted by another Ninja Turtle, Michelangelo. That's right. And the next person, Van Gogh, painted by Van Gogh. Awesome. So these are some of the most famous masterpieces, portraits in the world. I also thought I had another one, but I don't think I had it. It was, called, it was the sculpture of David. Does anyone know who created that one? It was Michelangelo as well. Awesome, Michelangelo. The greatest art piece worth millions and millions of dollars. The Bible says that we are God's handiwork. We are his art. We are his creation. And they're worth millions, but in God's eyes, you and I are worth so much. And I want to show you a quick video before we, we give an opportunity to pray for some people. I just want to show you a quick video, and then I'm going to read some Bible verses, and then we're going to pray for someone. But this next one's, uh, some of you may have seen it, but it's, it's spoken poetry by a guy named Jefferson Bethke, and it's a really cool video, and not everyone would have seen it. So please just check it out. How cool is that? We're God's masterpiece. We're His artwork in our lives. A couple of Bible verses I want to read to you that really speak to me. It's, it's one Bible verse in two different uh, translations. And it's found in Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. It says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. What a great thought. God's works are wonderful. So that means you're wonderful. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're special. Because God's works are wonderful. That means everybody you come in contact with is wonderful. They're special. They're awesome. God's works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In the message it says, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking. Body and soul I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted. From nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. What a cool thought. That's how special we are in God. He knit us together in our mother's womb. It defeats the lie that the devil tells us. You're ugly, you're hopeless, you're useless. You can't speak good. Because God says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. 
You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. I know in my life, my whole life was just marked with a rejection and abandonment. In, before I was born, my, my dad found out my mum was pregnant, so he took off. He didn't know how to handle it, so he left. So from the moment I was born, I struggled with the rejection that my dad didn't love me enough to hang around. Then I got into primary school, and I, I was pretty much rejected by an entire school where I was growing up because it was a little bit different. I grew up in a Bible college. They didn't know me. So when you move to a small town and people don't know you, you get ostracized a little bit. And it didn't help that when I went swimming on swimming day, I dived into the pool and I lost my tox. I got the nickname Floppy Jocks. Didn't help. Then I got to high school. And I was pretty popular in high school because by this stage I'd learned that I could make people laugh. And I was a bit of a class clown. And I'd do anything, I'd pay out on everyone, I'd pay out on anything I could. But on the inside, it's because I didn't know who I was. I was hurting and I felt rejected. I didn't want to be rejected again, so I did whatever it took to be accepted by people. Because I lived a lie that, the, that I wasn't fearfully made, I wasn't wonderful. I was rejected and abandoned, and that was what was on my life. But when I came, became a Christian, it started the journey when God started to change the way I saw myself. Because you can't love other people if you don't love yourself. You can't see other people how God sees other people if you don't see yourself how God sees you. What are the labels that you carry because of the stuff that's happened to you? Abuse, abandonment, rejection. Hopeless, useless, not smart. Or maybe you just have never had someone speak words of encouragement over your life and words that build you up. That you had a great mum and dad, but they just, or, or, and you had great people around you, but they never really spoke words of vision and passion over your life, saying things like, you're going to be awesome, you're going to do great things. Maybe you never had that. But we serve a dad in heaven who wants to speak great words over our life. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.